All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're tuned in to Oilers Nation every day with Tyler Uramchuk. Live every weekday on the Nation Network YouTube. Eric Comrie is sleeping good for two reasons. First off, he shut down his hometown team in his first game back in his hometown. And two, how could you not sleep good knowing you're the heir to the brick mattress fortune? Uh, That was not a lot of fun last night, but let's dig into it. Let's get to the lead. Ah, the Oilers put up 48 shots and they don't find a way to get any points out of that game. Welcome into Oilers Nation every day with me, Tyler Uremcha, coming to you live, as always, from the Sports Closet studio. Sportscloset.ca, they got these bad boys in stock, Royal Blues, few different player options as well. So check them out if you don't want to shop online, Short Park Mall, St. Albert Mall, and Kingsway Mall as well. Two trends will never die for the Edmonton Oilers. They start slow and... Backup goalies just always seem to shut them down. This has been happening as long as I've been following the team. You look at the starting goalies on dailyfaceoff.com any given night and you go, who's that guy? Or you go, oh, that guy's junk or that guy's played like four NHL games. And they're pretty much guaranteed to come in and only give up like one goal on 45 shots or some nonsense like that. And that is kind of exactly what happened last night is NHL journeyman Eric Comrie stopped 46 of 48 shots in a winning effort for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, I want to hear your thoughts. We are live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and I got the YouTube chat up. I want to hear what you're saying about last night's loss, because honestly, it was a 
it was two things. It was a frustrating one, but it was not one that causes me to panic at all. I'm not sitting there looking at how the Oilers played last night, throwing my arms up and going, oh, this team's broken. I see Spiced Oil fall for Bedard, 15-year dynasty incoming. You know, maybe the Oilers should just go 1-81 this season and see if they can land another top pick. Um, I'm kidding, obviously, but last night, like, I didn't even think their start was that bad. I, I thought for the most, yes, they gave up the first goal, and, like, that's annoying that they keep wanting to give up the first goal. But in the first period, the Oilers outshot the Sabres 15-7. to Natural Statric had the high-danger Corsi events at 11-1. to The Sabres had one high-danger shot attempt in that entire period, and they scored on it. The Oilers peppered Eric Comrie early, couldn't solve him. They missed on a couple of grade A chances with Yamamoto getting that rush at the end. It was just a lot of moments where the Oilers didn't finish great chances. Also, a lot of moments where Eric Comrie just made incredible saves. So I sit there and the loss to Calgary was frustrating because they played like crap out of the gate and they couldn't find a way to get any sort of momentum going at five on five. I look at last night. The first shift of the game, McDavid, Kane, Yamamoto, the first shift they had was lights out. I went in live bet the Oilers after that shift because I was like, oh, my God, they're going to put up 50 shots on the Sabres tonight and just dominate them. They almost put up 50 shots on the Sabres, but my live bet still lost. Um, but they actually came out of the gates like really, really well. You just you got goalied and it's that happens sometimes. And I don't know, I'm not sitting here and freaking out about too much as, as much as some of you may have expected that I was going to come here and rant about a bunch of things the Oilers didn't do well. The, the truth is there wasn't a lot the Oilers didn't do well in that hockey game. They didn't finish their chances that well. And they had a couple of really ugly turnovers. Two of them coming off the stick of Leon Dreisaitl that lead directly to goals as well. Some of their big guns didn't have great games, but I really do think that at the end of an 82-game regular season, whenever that comes in April or whatever, we're not going to be looking back at this loss to the Buffalo Sabres as a game that was of any sort of consequence. It's just a blip. It's one of those nights where the breaks didn't go your way and you got out-goalied. Like, it's it's simple as that. Danger Suede says it best. The Oilers can still go 80-2 and two this year. Not worried. No one should be worried. If you're in the YouTube chat... You should not be worried. Uh, I want to get some thoughts on this game as we take a peek at how some of those goals went in. Like this one here. I don't know. It's a power play goal. Four on three. Ton of space. Rasmus Dahlin. Elite offensive D-man. That, that's going to happen. The guy's on fire. He's got three goals already this season. He picked a corner on Stuart Skinner. Like That's just kind of life. Um, the goals that went in, I didn't love the turnovers that led to them. But again, they were so, the Oilers were so good with the puck on their stick in this hockey game for the most part that there's just not a lot I'm concerned about. Um, this is one of them that came off the stick of Dreisaitl. And then again, right there, you see the stick lift. I thought he could have bared down a little bit better on, on Tage Thompson there. But Tage Thompson's a top-line center in this league. Guy scored 30-plus goals last season. Things like that are going to happen. Dreisaitl misses a check after a turnover. Not a great shift. But again, I don't think this is a moment where you're sitting there going, oh, Leon Dreisaitl's bad defensively or or you know whatever cost them the game he didn't that there you know a pass dry settle probably wants back but he had an open guy just kind of missed him with the puck put it in his skates Yamamoto couldn't grab it cleanly back the other way they go JJ Paterka having a good season one of those young Sabres forwards we talked about yesterday so those three goals like they're frustrating sure but 
nothing that really raised too much of a red flag. Uh, I want to get Liam's take on this because he is waiting patiently. Liam, you watched the game last night. You watched the Oilers lose last night. Are you agreeing with me on everything I kind of said in the first five minutes of the show here? Are you more concerned about the state of uh, this team? I, I don't think I'm like overly concerned. I think frustration is the biggest thing. Like they're just they're cost they're shooting themselves in the foot with things like the turnovers are just just allowing bad goals. And one thing that was frustrating to see last night, it felt like a a lack of chemistry in a way. Like a lot of the times the players seemed unprepared for passes. Like we saw uh, towards the end of the game, McDavid went on those three low rushes around the zone and throws pucked right in front of the net, and no one's prepared to get it. Like this team should know where they need to be in situations and they've played together for a while now and this is an experienced team as aspirations to go and win the stanley cup and i know it's only three games into the season but you kind of want to get those bad habits out of the way sooner rather than later and 48 shots you should be able to score more than two on on the buffalo sabers to to be honest like it's just i think they just got to be better at bearing down just like jesse pull had that really good chance too where he just it looked like he tried to place it into the net and then try and like put a little mm-hmm. bit of power behind it and get it past comrie and it's just it's just about kind of just playing a little harder i think is a better way to put it around the net and getting goals like you saw the nugent hopkins one like everyone's crashing the net and then puck comes loose and you get it like that's kind of what they need to do is just be aggressive in when they actually want to puck the put the puck in the net and i think that's something we're going to need to see here in the next couple of games against three difficult teams, to be honest. I thought this Nuge goal, that was a sneaky good play by Connor McDavid. Even by Nuge, like sometimes players just get the mentality. They're like, okay, there's a swarm in front of the net. We know the puck's loose. Whistle's not going crash and bang. Just keep throwing everyone everything on net. But I love the way Nuge just kind of floats back to a soft area there. And then for McDavid to not just grab it and be like, okay, how can I flip this in to kind of take that point one of a second to go okay where can i go with this bang quick pass to nuge back of the net great goal nugent hopkins had seven shots on goal last night um there were still though like that play was solid there were some bad decisions in that game evan bouchard had a look it was in the third period mm-hmm. it might, actually might have been the second period i don't quite second remember period. but he walked into the offensive zone and had all the time in the world to pick a corner and he is in the slot like he is right in between the dots and he tried to like seam a pass to zach hyman i think it was who was waiting in the circle and it's like okay you're right down main street just rip the pill man evan bouchard's got a great shot we've seen him score a ton of goals from that spot over the last year just shoot the damn thing and then again i thought there was a moment later in the game where maybe bouchard was rattled that he missed or looked off such a good opportunity in the slot where he had a guy wide open for that one-timer pass, and he doesn't take it. He shoots it. So it's just one of those nights for the Oilers where I think you're right. Like, nothing seemed to be clicking. McDavid does two laps around the offensive zone, has no one to pass to, finally puts it to the front of the net, and, like, no one's there. No one's ready to receive mm-hmm. that pass. So they just weren't all on the same page. And, again, it's not one of those games where I'm, like, throwing the red flag up, being like, oh, this team's in so much trouble. Like, what's going to happen? Are they going to miss the playoffs? They're three points back of the Kraken or whatever. But... It's just a game that didn't go their way. And Eric Comrie played really, really well. Um, One more thing, Liam, and it was a big topic of discussion. John asks us in the chat, what are your thoughts on players coming in to fight after that big hit on Dylan Holloway? Uh, Holloway, Oilers rookie, got absolutely blown up by Ilya Labushkin. Picked up a pass kind of in his feet. um, Tried to just... I don't know, maybe he should have just chipped it up, but he had his head going the wrong way. Labushkin caught him in the trolley tracks, and you see Warren Fogle, who's the one who 
delivered the suicide pass to Dylan Holloway, jumps in to his defense. I didn't have a problem with that. Sometimes it's annoying when there's clean hits and all of a sudden everyone's dropping their mitts and, you know, feels like sometimes there's not even a chance for guys to lay good body checks because they always have to fight right after. But that's a rookie forward. Houghton Fogel probably felt like a little guilty in the situation, being like, ooh, mm. probably could have put that in a better spot. That wasn't one of those ones where I'm like, oh, why are people jumping in to fight the guy? Like, when your young rookie forward gets blown up, you need to come to his defense a little bit. Yeah, I think what you just said, where Fogel probably felt pretty bad about what he had just yeah. done to his teammate. I think that's rule number one for Fogel going into that is a bit of redemption for himself. And But I, I don't think you can have a problem with it. And when you see in that, uh, in full speed, right, you're playing and you just see him get absolutely blown up, like, you kind of... Yeah. You kind of got to go in there and fight and or try to fight at least. But yeah, I don't really have a problem with it. I think it is one of those hits where, yeah, you probably want to step up for your teammate. And you know what? If you look at the score there too, Oilers were down 2-1 early in the period. Just allowed a, a goal. What was it? 45 seconds in. It's yeah. maybe a bit of momentum. You know, I know I was at the game and a lot of people kind of got up for that. What is it? Five seconds of one guy dropping a glove. So you know what, uh, maybe it sways the crowd a little bit back in your favor. And yeah, just situationally, I think it was a good time for Fogo to step up for Holloway. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, just quickly before we get to Frank Saravalli, a couple of your takes in the chat. Cassian for hard says, just worried about Holloway. I think I saw a tweet after the game that it was like bloody nose. I think Stoffer said he was kind of laughing after in the rooms or smiling in the room. So it sounds like Dylan Holloway is going to be okay. At least that's what the rumblings were on Twitter. Uh, the Canadad said, I didn't see a ton, but pool party looked like he had some good shifts. I'd agree with that. I thought Pugliarvi had a couple of really nice moments in the offensive zone. He made one play in the first period in the D zone that really stood out to me where he broke up a chance along the half wall, used his body. Um, I talked on yesterday's show, said Fogel, McLeod, some of those guys in the bottom six wanted to see them use their size a little bit more. I thought McLeod actually did a good job finishing a few checks. Fogel was a little physical as well. So again, like that was a, a positive that I pulled from last night. And I know Darnell Nurse after the game said no moral victories at any point for this team. And I agree with that. It's great to have that mindset. I'm sure after a game where you put up 48 shots and only score once, you're really, really frustrated. Um, but again, that's one of those nights where I think you can pull some positives for how the Oilers played, even if the result maybe wasn't the most uh, the most positive outcome for you. The the crappy part for the Oilers, and actually we'll pull this up before we uh, before we get to Frank Cervalli as well. Like not only were they putting up shots on goal, but the the heat map from Natural Statric. This is at all strengths, by the way. Like the Oilers' shots were coming from pretty dangerous areas. Like you got the spots at the top of the zone where your D men are usually one timing the puck or throwing pucks on net, and then just a whole bunch of red around the crease, like. It's not like they were just throwing pucks on net from the corner or the bottom of the circle or whatever. Like they were getting legitimately good looks in the slot. Things didn't go their way. So we kind of turned the page on it. Game against the Hurricanes tomorrow. Um, the crappy part for the Oilers is the schedule gets tougher for them on the rest of this homestand. So that kind of sucks in terms of racking up as many points as you can while the schedule's in your favor and you're on home ice. But again, this team's good enough where if they play well, they can beat the Hurricanes. If they play well, they can beat the Blues. They can beat the Penguins. Like, they're they're that good. They have that good of a roster, so I'm not uh, really worried about it. Let's get uh, another thought on this game, and also get to some news from around the NHL. It's time for the Wednesday Hot Stove with Frank Saravalli. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Everyone's favorite segment, the Wednesday Hot Stove with Frank Saravalli. Frank, welcome back into the show. You were uh, in New York yesterday for the Board of Governors meeting, and now you're already back at your home in Philadelphia. But Philly's kind of a central hub. Did you know 60% of the U.S. population lives within a two-hour flight of Philadelphia? I did know that. It's uh, not that hard to put that together when you consider some of the major metropolitan areas around here, an hour and a half in the car, two hours from Washington, D.C., I made it home in an hour and 15 minutes last night from New York in the car. So it was uh, pretty awesome. It's a pretty awesome place to live. I'm biased. Yeah, uh, I'm not very good with geography, so I didn't know that. Um, you were in New York. Did you eat dinner in New York? Did you have anything fancy uh, while you were out there? I did. Not, nothing fancy. Uh, I got a steak. Went, uh, went to dinner with Pierre Lebron after the meetings wrapped. And just a nice glass of wine and uh, listened to the Phillies game on the way home in the car. Hey, and your fills are up one nothing in the NLCS. Uh, the Oilers, Oilers fans, I should say, for dinner last night had a big bowl of lose to the Sabres. Is it still way too early to be concerned about this Oilers team? Yeah, I think so. I think you'd be concerned if they're not getting shots, not getting to the high danger areas, as you just showed in your heat map. And look, this offense is too talented to go quiet for too long. And I, I thought the thought process from Jay Woodcroft after the game about trying to eliminate some of the mistakes that this team has had defensively that, you know, have cost them to this point, that should be the focal point because you know that those other things like the scoring are going to turn around at some point. You know, I, I just wonder, and you mentioned uh, the idea of the bottom six using uh, their size a little bit more, like, I, what's the thought process behind Nima Linen only playing six or seven minutes in the game? And I understand the way that they use their lineup with 11 and seven. But for me, like you, you got to find out about this guy. This is a guy that you should be giving minutes to. And I know that just speaking, uh, you know, to people in and around the Oilers organization, they're expecting big things from Nima Linen this season. I don't know that his deployment last night makes a lot of sense. 
Yeah, I, I actually agree with you. Like he played 522 at five on five yesterday. Ryan Murray played 1045 at uh, at even or at five on five. I don't see a reason to play Niemalainen half as much as you're playing with Murray. Like you know what Ryan Murray is. You know there's not tremendous upside there with Niemalainen, or even if it was Broberg as the seventh D. Like find out what you have in these guys because Frank, if Niemalainen isn't an everyday NHL or at least shows that he isn't quite ready for that. You need to be active on the trade market because that's the big deficiency of this in this lineup is the left side of the blue line. Couldn't agree more. And and also, not only do you know what Ryan Murray is, you also know that he's injured all the time. So it feels like only a matter of time before that would happen. Like I consider Ryan Murray not all that different than Matt Murray in terms of the injury front. And he can't defend. I think that's the big thing is you need better defenders for this team. And if you've got a left shot guy who you think can make the jump, October against the Sabres is exactly the moment that you should be using uh, Nima Linen in the lineup. And so uh, for me, I, I thought that was a really curious, like I was going into last night's game for the Oilers, most excited and most interested to see what happened with Nima Linen. And I go like, well, why? Like, why? And I actually thought he did pretty well in his five minutes as well. Like he didn't lay his, a vintage Nima line in big hit off the rush or anything like that. Like we've seen in his first handful of NHL games, but I actually thought he made a couple of nice plays with the puck, jumped up in a couple of rushes. Like he made the most of his five minutes. So I'll be interested to see if he maybe gets a bit of an uptick against Carolina tomorrow. Um, too early for Oilers fans to be concerned. But I don't think it's too early for fans of the Vancouver Canucks to be concerned. Um, that seat's got to be getting real hot for Bruce Boudreaux, hey? I mean, I, I think the heat was on heading into the season, not necessarily yeah. on the seat in general, but for this team to um, be in the playoff chase all season long. And you look at the spectacular fashion in which this has unfolded through the first four games. They were already the first NHL team in history to open their season with three consecutive games blowing a multi-goal lead. Now it's four after you add it in. And is is one point enough to uh, to you know, put everything at bay and turn the temperature down? I don't think so, given the way that it played out yet again. And I think, look, are the Vancouver Canucks heading into this uh, this spiral thinking, you know, we'd love to make a coaching change. This is our opportunity to do it. I don't think so. In a perfect world, they're saying we'd want Bruce Boudreaux to continue on with the same run that he had last year in a 56-game sample size for the Canucks and for this team to to get back to that level. That hasn't happened to this point. We talked previously how I thought their camp was a little bit disappointing and listless in some ways. Their best players need to be their best players. And I just, now you're hearing all the other things come out from Vancouver about, you know, friction in the locker room and all these different facets of this team's slow start. And it, it feels like someone is somewhere is pulling at a thread a little bit and it's beginning to unravel. So will they make a coaching change four games in? I, I don't think so. But I, I'm also really confident in saying that whether it's a trade, whether it's a coaching change, whatever it may be, the Vancouver Canucks cannot possibly afford to go down the path where they sink their season as the calendar turns to November. They can't do it. They know they can't. And at some point, something will have to change. But I'd imagine there's at least a little bit more leash in the short term. Like we mentioned off the top, you're out at the Board of Governors meeting in New York, and the big thing that came out of that is uh, the rumblings of the news that the salary cap could actually be going up by four to four and a half million dollars next season. Um, this is kind of out of left field a little bit. What is leading to this? Like, what? Take us through what's going on here with the cap. 
Yeah, so basically the league is expecting Tyler or projecting really healthy revenues this season to the point where they may be able to retire the debt that's due from players to owners as part of uh, the pandemic. And so, you know, when you look at this, it's a surprise in that initially they were projecting that this $1.1 billion debt would be paid off after the 2024-25 season. So it went from 2025. Now at the beginning of the, you know, at some point in the summer, they were saying, okay, we could maybe pay this off in 2024. Now they're saying, well, hold on a second. There's a chance that this could be paid off in its entirety this season, which would allow the cap to go up next summer by four to four and a half million dollars, according to Commissioner Gary Bettman on Tuesday at those Board of Governors meetings. And we were like, hold on a second. That's like really fast, really early. And music to the ears of a team like the Oilers because they'd love to continue to surround uh, while they've got Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on what appears to be bargain contracts with as much support as possible. And if you were to able to inject another four to four and a half million dollars, you know, you're talking about maybe another four to four and a half million dollar defenseman, or if you're able to move another contract, a seven million dollar defenseman, who knows what you'd be able to concoct and conjure up for the Oilers uh, next offseason if that's what things were to look like. And so maybe even changes the scope of how you approach this deadline if you acquire a player with term. So this is significant news. I don't know that teams can bank on it yet because it's still just a projection. And the tough part, Tyler, with the projection is if the debt is not paid in full, it needs to be paid 100% off. If it's not, then the cap's only going up a million dollars next year. So it would go from 82.5 to 83.5. And they're like, oh, hold on a second. That's not really any help at all. So you can't necessarily go out and make moves, but it's certainly good news to this point. I like to think that the new concession prices at Rogers Place are single-handedly driving up the salary cap. Um, another interesting nugget that you had on Daily Face of is that the Coyotes, just speaking of revenue and things like that, they're going to like hit their hockey-related revenue target even though they're in a 5,000-seat arena? Am I getting that right? That's what the commissioner said, and I asked him that point blank because I had heard uh, from other league sources that they were projecting a 30 to 40% drop in hockey-related revenue produced by the Coyotes because not only were they leaving a larger arena in Glendale, but the drop in capacity, yes, they might be selling their tickets for more and they might be selling out, but they'd be missing out on all these other things like corporate sales and signage and advertising and parking and all those different parts that go into hockey-related revenue that teams produce. And so it turns out it sounds at this point as we get to October and the Coyotes haven't even played a game in Mullet Arena yet, that'll be next Friday night against the Winnipeg Jets, that things are kind of good for the Coyotes on that front. So there's been lots of excitement, I think, from fans about the idea of this team playing in Mullet Arena. They want to see what it looks like and feels like. Maybe they actually have a home ice advantage for the first time and maybe ever. I'm going to be there to see it next Friday night, and I'm excited for that. But I'm going to hold my breath on the rest of it because I'd like to see those revenues actually come in before then judging. I can't wait to see your coverage from Mullet Arena in Arizona. Uh, just quickly, Frank, we got another minute here. The Florida Panthers putting Aaron Ekblad on LTIR. I mean, that is a tough situation for their blue line considering Uyghur was traded. Now Ekblad's going to be out for the foreseeable future. They don't have any first-round picks for the next three seasons. Uh, that could make things complicated from a trade perspective. Do you see them as a team that could go out and try to find a replacement for Ekblad in the short term on the trade market, or are they just going to have to roll with what they got? 
for the most part, they're going to have to roll with what they have because since he's not expected to be out super long term, like it's obviously more than a month at this point with the LTIR designation, um, the report was that was out there is that this is a grade two groin strain for Ekblad um, that they, they have to account for him then coming off LTIR and they're going to need to be able to afford him. So it's not like they have that space that there's, that's sitting there at the moment. They say, hey, we can go shopping to get a replacement for Aaron Ekblad. That's not the case. Certainly not expected to miss the season. And so a really tough spot for the Panthers to be in. And you mentioned those first round picks. Wanted to point something out. I did get clarification and confirmation today on this. The first round pick that the Panthers sent to the Montreal Canadiens for Ben Sherratt, it was top 10 protected last year in that draft, not this year. The Montreal Canadiens hold that free and clear. So if you're the Habs, Maybe you're hoping that the wheels fall off here and somehow the Panthers miss the playoffs. Feels like a long shot for that to happen at this point, but certainly something to monitor as the Habs have their own pick, which could be really juicy. And then maybe the Panthers pick, if that somehow ends up in the lottery, man, that would be fascinating. Yeah, I mean, that would be pretty crazy. I, whenever that happens, I always think about uh, the Sharks Senators Eric Carlson trade that ended up with the Sharks having that pick way down in the lottery as well. Uh, Frank, thank you very much for another edition of the Wednesday Hot Stove. People seem to be liking this name. So this maybe this is the one that ends up sticking. I don't know. I, I kind of like slapping it around with Saravalli, but like, hey, Hot Stove, whatever it is, uh, I'm here for it. And I'm here every Wednesday just after uh, 12 p.m. Mountain Time. So looking forward to it next week. Great job on the conversion to Mountain Time as well. You know your audience. Uh, appreciate it, Frank. Let's get to the wrap today. <laughs> All right, wrapping things up today on Oilers Nation every day. Uh, the Oilers sent out a little teaser for their reverse retro jersey. I see a bunch of you in the Twitter chat uh, getting excited about that. I, I, I'm like... I'm five out of 10 on those jerseys. You think, yeah, whatever. It's different. It's new. So whatever. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm 50, 50 on those dangerous way to also dropping a comment in saying, uh, Frank quote, laughing at Tyler's jokes is my favorite. He finds me funny. Damn it. All right. Don't be throwing that in the chat. <laughs> okay. Uh, Lance says, put the Coyotes in Houston. Probably not happening. They signed a lease there with ASU. That's whatever. Uh, the Canadad says, change it every week. Never stay the same. And I kind of, I mean, you all know I like that idea for uh, the hot stove with Frank Saravalli. Good informative segment. Liam, we got a couple of minutes left. So let's get to our uh, daily betting segment, courtesy of our friends at Betway. Tough night last night for the Oilers bets. But my NHL bets went three for three, which is good because I was ice cold for a while. Liam, tonight on the NHL slate, what do you got your eyes on? Yeah, there's only there's only three games out there tonight. So I'm going to go with Sam Reinhart over two and a half shots. So they play Philadelphia. And Philly are averaging over 30 shots a game. Sam Reinhart has a four, two, two four-shot games in three so far. So I'm going to go with him at minus 118. And then, you know what? I... I almost went for the puck line with Colorado at home. I just feel like whenever they're at home, they're just going to be a dominant team. But I just went with the over. I know Connor Hellebuck's in for Winnipeg, but the over is hit now in every game Colorado has played this season. So they're just going to score a ton of goals all year. So hopefully this is the perfect night we've been waiting for. And last night didn't go too well for me, like you said, but I did unfortunately hit the power play goal and the empty net goal, which was the biggest one. So yeah, a little bit of money coming our way either, either way, I suppose. 
Oh, man, I ridiculed you for that bet, too. I said it was a bad idea, and that's like the only bet we laid last night that ended up hitting. Yeah. So 0 for 2 on the Oilers bets for me, but 3 for 3 on the NHL bets. Tonight, I give my picks every day on the Daily Faceoff Show. I'm taking an over, but I'm taking Philly and Florida to go over 6.5. Mm. Nathan McKinnon has 5 assists in 3 games. You can get him at minus 135 to go over an assist. And uh, Kyle Connor. Over three and a half shots on goal is paying minus 105 for the Winnipeg Jets. He hit that once and missed it by just one shot in the other game. I like him to take that over tonight uh, between the Jets and the Avs. So uh, there you go. Those are our NHL best bets for the day. Uh, that's going to be a wrap for today's edition of Oilers Nation Every Day. We are out of time. As always, shout out to our friends at the Sports Closet, Sports Closet Studio. Check them out. Three locations in Edmonton, sportscloset.ca. Get some fresh gear for the upcoming season. We'll be back to Tomorrow, same time, for Assured for Giant Game Day. Talk to you then. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.